0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. And happy Thursday or whatever day it is that you're listening to this podcast. Welcome to another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History, where we relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Small. As always, just a friendly reminder, Snapshots in Hockey History is brought to you free of charge every single Monday and Thursday at 8 a.m. I will never ask you for a dollar out of your pocket for this podcast, but if you want to do something nice, you want to help us out, please consider telling a friend, leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media on Twitter at Snapshots in and on Facebook at Snapshots in Hockey History. Well, I definitely saw a jump in the numbers of listeners we have. Good God. Podbean featured us as a featured podcast on Monday, and I can't believe how many new listeners we have. So thank you for checking us out. I hope you kind of enjoy this. If you've been along for the ride or you're new, just to kind of review what Snapshots in Hockey History is, we basically take a moment, a highlight in an NHL player's career, and document that. And the reason we do it is if these aren't recorded, if they're not written down, They'll be gone forever at some point. So we're documenting all this stuff and all the interviews get donated to the Hockey Hall of Fame. So that way these players' stories can live on and and you can kind of get the inside scoop on what was going through their head during this certain period during their career. As far as who I am, my name is Brett. I host the show. Not much more exciting than that. I'm a lifelong hockey guy. I refereed at a pretty high level at one point. That since has gone away, and now I do this because I love it. And, uh, yeah, that's what I do. I'm in Washington, D.C., so I love the Washington Capitals, although I also love major junior hockey. So that's me in a nutshell. The show is definitely more exciting than my life. But we're going to make this one a really quick intro. I actually am going to the Washington Capitals game tonight, so I'm doing this early on Wednesday. And actually, today is Bobby Orr's birthday. guy turned 71. Oh, my God, where has time gone? And although I never got to see Bobby Orr play live, I saw him on NHL Network and on DVD, and the dude could skate. Unbelievable skater. So with that said, though, we're going to go ahead and get to part two of our interview with Matt Bradley. We pick up after the New York Rangers series, and we go ahead and talk about the Capitals 2009-2010 playoff run. He gets into Ovechkin playing against the Pittsburgh Penguins, kind of the rivalry. I thought it was interesting. As a fan, I look at the historical rivalry between the penguins and the capitals and i've always wondered if current players factor that in and and he gets into that i don't want to spoil it so enjoy the interview with matt bradley as we pick up right where we left off with part two of our interview on the capitals 2009-2010 playoffs the caps were loaded with russian players including alex semen varlamov alex ovechkin victor kozlov this crew evidently hung out a lot together on and off the ice I'm not asking for specifics and, and I know that Alex Semen is known for not necessarily being the best teammate, but when you have a core group like that, maybe with a similar background in your career, do, do factions ever kind of form? And, and if so, do, can they cause problems on teams? And, and I'm not asking for specifics, just kind of a, a general kind of your experience.
1: No, I mean, I, I, I've never seen it becomes an issue, but obviously, I mean, if you're, if you're guys that, all speak a common language. Sometimes it's just easier to to conversate, especially for the younger, the, the young Russian guys. I always mm-hmm. thought to myself how hard it would be. A, you got to go to a different country, uh, to a new league, to a new style of hockey because the styles are a little different from um, from Russia and in North America. And on, on top of everything, you're you don't you don't speak the language. You have to learn that. And uh, I always thought it how hard that would have been for those guys, not only the Russians, but any of the Europeans coming over from countries with different languages. And I always thought it was amazing how they could adapt. And, and all those guys were great. We all intermingled and, and did things together and did things apart and never an issue as far as uh, that kind of thing with me when I played.
0: With the Rangers-Capitals series going the distance, that means the next round is right around the corner. And this time, the Capitals will play the Pittsburgh Penguins. Historically, Caps fans have looked at the Penguins as a rivalry, I've always wondered this. You were not there in the '90s when Mario Lemieux and Jaromir Jagr tore up the Washington Capitals, or in the early 2000s when they were eliminated, you know, constantly. Does that trickle down to the locker room? Do you still feel that same way, or for somebody that isn't as familiar with that history, is it just another another playoff game? Which I know it's there's no such thing as just another playoff game, but do you look at the rivalry the same way?
1: I think for us, it's a little bit different because. I know at the time and and still today there's obviously the Ovechkin Crosby mm-hmm. you know, who was the best, all that kind of stuff. So that was that was a big part of it I think. And uh you know, they were they were a great team with with a lot of good young players just like like we had. So we were kind of in similar situations, so uh and I know we've we'd had some some heated games with them over the over the couple of years that I was there, so there was already a rivalry there. I don't think it for us or for me personally. It didn't stem from the past, but mm-hmm. it was more from uh, what I experienced since I'd been there.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Game one was on May second, and it was called one of the most exhilarating games of the seasons, with goals from Dave Steckel, Alex Ovechkin, and Thomas Fleischman. The Capitals barely held off the Pens with a three-two win. Simeon Varlamov was outstanding and made an incredible save during the second period. Mike Green was quoted as saying in the Washington Post, that's got to be the highlight of this year. It's got to be. That's a tap-in. I was out there. I seen it. Nothing makes sense. I could see the net, so I was circling back to the bench. I thought I was a minus. We haven't really touched. We didn't really touch the puck. We haven't touched on Mike Green. He set the record that year. What made him so dynamic as a defenseman?
1: Well, I mean... He was, A, he was a really good skater, and he had high-end skills. So, I mean, when you put those two things together, mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty good combination. But he definitely, he had his little coming-out party there, I don't remember what year it was. I think it was when, when Bruce came came on, and yep. uh, I think he had some familiarity with Bruce and, and Hershey. As soon as that happened, he just started to, to, uh, to basically dominate games. He'd be leading the rush, and then the first guy back, he was physical, uh, he was just, he was a really fun player. It's not like we didn't have enough fun guys to watch. To, sure. But yeah, but you had to him to the mix with Ovi and, and back and Simon and these guys. I mean, even if, we, even when we we're a bad team, it was worth the price of ambition just to just come watch these guys. Cause they were such a, uh, such elite talents and, and Greedy, I mean, Greedy's still doing it now I and mean, he slowed down a bit. He's getting older, but he's still a real, real smart player with, with a lot of skills. So he's had a great career and, uh, was, I was fortunate to uh, to see that take off.
0: Varlamov is clearly the talk of Game 1 and the playoffs for the Capitals. I know he didn't speak a lot of English. Was it hard for him to deal with all the added media attention that he was getting as a result of being a superstar?
1: No, I mean, Varley uh, was pretty uh, pretty level-headed and, and cool and calm, and he was a quiet guy too, maybe partly because he he was in a new country with a different language. But uh, I think Varley uh, helped... Uh, or, Handled everything very well, and especially for a guy his age in in that position, especially as a goaltender. I mean, that's uh, that's a high-pressure place to play. But uh, he did a great job, and I thought he dealt with everything on and off the ice uh, like a true pro.
0: The excitement continues in D.C. for Game Two in front of 18,277 fans. The Capitals notched a 4-3 victory, but all the attention is on the team's two superstars with your teammate Alex Ovechkin scoring a hat-trick and Penguin Superstar Sidney Crosby scoring a hat-trick. This was the first time in something like 15 years that two players scored hat-tricks on opposing teams. Let's talk about the rivalry as a guy that participated in the series. Everywhere in the media, it was Sid versus Ovi. Sid versus Ovi. What were your thoughts on that rivalry?
1: Well, I mean, I'll say one thing. I think think it was great for hockey because Mm -hmm. uh, those two two guys... uh, uh, made a lot of uh, probably fans that were all in on hockey all in on hockey because every uh, time those two guys were on the ice it was, it was special to watch but for me i knew both i knew both guys that i mean i didn't know personally Crosby, but uh you could tell both guys it meant a lot to them to uh to play well against each other and they were both team first guys they really wanted to win so when you get two guys with, with that much passion and that much talent playing against each other it's it's just special to watch, and, and they never disappointed, and they still don't disappoint. And that's why, you know, the Caps winning last year was was very satisfying to me. And one of the major reasons was uh, for guys like Ovi and Backe, who for so long have, have have done so much and played so well, and then to finally get over the hump and win, and not have to deal with another defeat, especially. Mm-hmm pittsburgh was uh, was a very special thing
0: it's probably like a powder keg It was getting ready to explode yeah. that game i felt like as a shutdown player and a guy that spent some time on the fourth line how do you defend against Sidney crosby it seems like the guy can do everything
1: yeah i mean you know those those great players like that the superstars you you, you know all you try to do is contain them and and hope they maybe get a couple points instead of four or five points he he's he's a guy that can do it all he can be one on one he's obviously got great vision great passing ability so guys like that are really hard to uh to to cover because uh, they could be you many different ways but like i said you just hope you can limit their their chances and and maybe limit their uh their times they get on the scoring sheet and that's basically the best you can do with those kind of guys
0: Sidney Crosby, do you think he might be one of the most skilled players you've
1: ever played against?
0: It would put him in maybe the top five?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's in the conversation for sure of uh, of top players of all time.
0: Anybody else that you can think of that you played against that you would put up there or, or around there?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I was lucky to play with uh, with Absolutely. I think he's up there, and, and like I said, back, uh, Backstrom's under the radar, so I think... He, he's a, he's a dark horse in, in skill and sense for me as one of the best ever. But I got to play. I played one year in Pittsburgh. And I got to play ten games with Mario. So oh you know, kind of on the back back end of his career, he did things in practice and even in games that year that you could see how how talented and how how much he could do. Even though he was, like I said, on the back end of his career, nowhere near physically as. as as uh, able as he was. So I can only imagine what he, what he would have been like.
0: Did you ever guess play on the same line with him?
1: No, there's no, I don't think he, he didn't need me on his line. <laughs> we, you know what? We were, uh, we were, we weren't a very good team that year. And, um, he, he played 10 games and then I went back into retirement, but, uh, for me, it was it was very special uh, to get to to get to play some games with him, and even just to be on the ice with him, be in the dressing with him. It was uh, it was a pretty neat experience.
0: Is there personally any additional pressure that you put on yourself knowing that your boss is sitting on the same bench with you?
1: <laughs> no, I, he was he was a great guy, quiet guy, but uh, he, he never would ever do anything uh, like that. He was he was a team guy, and uh, your biggest thing was trying not to. To, well, was trying to focus on the game and not being in awe that you were right. sitting beside Mario or, or playing with Mario, or whatever. So, I think that was the biggest challenge when you were playing with the uh, one of the greatest ever.
0: I think this is the difference between why I never made it to the NHL and you did. I would just be in awe, whereas you were able to keep everything in check and focus
1: for the most part sometimes i didn't I'm sure i think there's some other
0: reasons as well probably too but games 3 and 4 on the topic of mario head back to Mellon Arena and this was one of the oldest arenas in the league at the time I- I- experiences in that arena you you talked about it you played with in pittsburgh what were your thoughts on the mellon arena
1: well it definitely had character it was, uh, it was it was getting old and a little long in the tooth but i i liked it i i, lo- I love those old buildings it mm-hmm. goes back for me to the- to my junior days when i played in kingston uh, it was called the memorial center but it was just a real old not you know there's there was nothing fancy there it was just a real basic rink but uh once the fans got in there and then you could you could remember the history and especially Mellon with all the history with the Penguins it's it's just neat to be in a rink like that and uh sadly those those rinks still last, like it didn't but uh for me I was lucky to get to play in it before uh before they moved to the new rink
0: Game three is another OT game, with Chris Letang, though, this time giving the Penguins the overtime goal in Pittsburgh. Game four is also another Penns victory, but this game came with a little bit of controversy. And during game four, Alex Ovechkin threw a controversial hit on fellow countryman Sergei Gonchar. On the hit, Ovechkin said, I tried to hit him, and he tried to move to his left. I don't have time to realize what's going on, and I hit him with my knee, Ovechkin said. It was an accident. I'm not the kind of guy who wants to injure a player like this, especially because I know Gonch. I tried to hit him with my shoulder and he moved left, but his legs were in the same spot. Penguins defenseman Brooks Orpik told reporters, that's three games in a row where he's out tra- there trying to hurt guys, Ovechkin. You just watch the way he hits and he likes to target the Russian guys for some reason. Do you remember the hit? Do you have any thoughts on the hit all these years later?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I remember the hit. I, I remember more like what I think what happened after. And I remember Gonchar was down or whatever, but... Um, I'll tell you one thing. Like I, I played with way for six years, and he never, in my opinion, uh, targeted anyone with any mm-hmm. sort of cheap hit. He didn't need to do that. He's, in my opinion, one of the best hitters of all time. Not only the the best scorer of all time. So uh, he's he doesn't need to to, to be dirty because he can hit you straight on, and he's going to win that battle. So, I mean, with, with you know, with the game, the speed, and everything. One guy moves one little little way, and and it can go bad. But uh, I would, I've like I said, I've never seen Hovey ever target anyone in uh, in a malicious way.
0: On the ice, he seems incredibly powerful. You shared a locker room with him. You worked out with him. Is that a facade, or is this guy really that strong?
1: Yeah, he's strong and he's big. I think people don't realize how big he is. I mean, he can be 240 pounds some games. So. Uh, when you get a guy that big who can move like he can and who's as strong and his skates as, as he is, I mean, he's almost impossible to knock down. And I've, I've yet to see anyone, when he's really ready, knock him down. And and at some point uh, early on in his career, guys just stopped even stepping up on him because they knew if they did that he was just going to run them over. So it's very rare that you see guys even now try to engage OV Ovi, because they know it's a it's, uh, losing battle.
0: We've talked about this series. It's tied 2-2. Matt, during this series, what was your role, did you feel like? You were never afraid to drop the gloves. Did you ever, at times, and you, you didn't drop them during this series. Did you feel that your role was to bring some energy on every shift? Where did you feel that you fit in?
1: I think in that series, I played with uh, Brooks Lake and Dave David Steckle, and mm-hmm. we were doing a little bit of checking, uh, obviously, the uh, we weren't out there to, to produce. We were there more to uh, to stop the other team from scoring. And I mean, my whole career, the way I played, I was I was out there like you said to create energy, be physical, and uh, and just work hard. And and that's kind of what was good for me in playoffs. Everything gets ramped up, and and everyone plays like that. So um, uh, that's that's the style that I like to play. And and uh, yeah, so we we basically. We were trying to shut down some some lines, and I know we got one lucky goal in overtime in Game 6. I'm sure we'll get to that.
0: You know, before we get to that Game 6, though, there was a positive note from this Game 4. The Capitals were called a young winger to make his NHL playoff debut. Jay Beagle was recalled from the Capitals' minor league affiliate, the Hershey Bears. Beagle's the only player to win three championships at three major professional levels, the ECHL, the AHL, and the NHL. Is that just a coincidence, or is there something special about Jay Beagle?
1: No, I mean, guys that win at any level, uh, there's there's something special about them. And, uh, you know, Beagle uh, not only is a great player and, and great defensive center, great on draws, but what he does that, that's special is he sacrifices uh, his body and sacrifices getting points and scoring goals for, for – uh, playing solid defense, and, and that's how you win games. You need guys like that because you can't just score all the time. You need those guys that can defend, that are going to block shots, that are going to penalty kill, and and uh, those are key cogs in, in winning teams, and clearly he's done it at every level, and, and and that's because he's a winner.
0: Most important question I'm going to ask this entire interview. Is it true he had a flip phone his entire time with the Washington Capitals?
1: <laughs> I don't remember. It could, it could be. It wouldn't surprise me.
0: I heard he's like uh, Mr. You know, Anti-Tech. Yeah,
1: Biggs is uh, just a real, a real good guy, and uh, he wouldn't get caught up in uh, in expensive cars or expensive watches or expensive clothes, and uh, I think that's that's a great trait that he had.
0: Game five is back at the phone booth in, the Washington, in Washington, and it's another overtime thriller, this time with the Penguins winning, making the series 3-2 to two and sending the Capitals back to Pittsburgh. Matt, it seemed the Capitals were constantly going into overtime. Can you... Any reason why? Do you have any thoughts as to why we couldn't get it done in regulation?
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I think in playoffs, especially the games are so tight, it's very rare to uh, to get up by more than a couple. And I mean, when you keep games close, and it's that's kind of the nature of the beast. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of ties, and you don't want to get to overtime because. Even if you've been great all game, once you get to overtime, it could be one lucky break uh, the wrong way and you lose, and vice versa. But uh, it's just the way it goes, and it just seems uh, it happens a lot in the playoffs because games are so tight.
0: Pittsburgh was a stacked team, and we've talked about Crosby, but there's another player on that team that's gotten a lot of attention and who was a big impact player during this series, and that's Evgeny Malkin. I've heard that he's one of these guys that you look at him on TV and he looks like he's six foot, and then you see him up close and he looks like he's six six. How physical of a player was he throughout this series or, or really any time you played against him?
1: You know, he's a, he's a big man and uh, he doesn't shy away. He plays in hard areas. I mean, those, those guys, he's kind of like Ovi too. Even even if you're not hitting, just being a big, strong body, uh, it makes it hard to, to play against, hard to defend because not only does, does he have skill, but he also has the size to protect pucks and stuff. So you know, he's, He's one of those another one of those guys kinda like uh Nick Baxterman who kinda gets you know, gets lost sometimes because of the Crosby's and the Ovechkins, but these guys are are, are real top end players that uh that are, are real key to both teams.
0: Gotta be a little bit overshadowed just because they have the two
1: superstars pretty much as their teammates. For sure. But I mean uh, they uh I think one needs the other just just uh, just as much what do you
0: remember we're heading back to Pittsburgh now and this game six was a huge game and, 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 a huge game for you. Can you kind of walk us through that overtime goal that led to the Capitals tying the series three to three?
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't remember perfectly, but I, I know it was, it was off the draw. i um, trying to think if it was Brooksy or Brooksy or Stex taking the draw, but anyways, one of those guys took the draw and then came over to me on the wing and I just, put it back to the point, and uh, uh tips the point shot. I'm not sure even who shot that. It might have been Green. I don't, I don't know. But um, obviously another moment for me that I'll remember <laughs> forever because, uh, A, it was an elim- elimination game for us. and uh, We needed to win that or we are done. Uh, and, B, it was it was overtime in in game six of the second round, which you don't get a lot of chances to, to even be on the ice for being a game like that.
0: Well, Matt, here we go again. It's time for another game seven. Prior to the game, there must've been so much attention. And unfortunately this game does not very go, does not go very well. It was a very tough one for Semyon Varlamov. He ends up getting yanked and Jose Teodor ends up coming in as the Capitals fall to a team that would eventually go on to become the Stanley cup champs. I know this hadn't, this was probably a very disappointing experience for you, but what do you remember after this series? Did, you know, can you tell people kind of, people see the great side of being a pro athlete, the million, the the money, the cars, the, what about this side of it where your season's over?
1: Yeah, I mean, and for me personally, it happened when I played in San Jose, we lost game seven to Colorado, and they went on to win uh, in the second round, they went on to win the uh, Stanley Cup too, so it happened twice to me when the team we lost won the Stanley Cup, but uh that game that game was just that was a weird one i mean it just it, it seemed flat for a game 7 of, of of such magnitude and clearly things didn't work out for us um and i mean i don't know it, it's it's hard to say whether it's you feel better that pittsburgh won because you know he lost the the Stanley of champs or for me, it was more, well. If we had won that game, then we would have been the champs. And who knows what happens uh, after you win that game? You still got to win two more series. But let's just say it it, uh, it leads for a lot of reflection over the summer and a lot of thinking about what could have been. Or and I mean, it, it makes you come back hungrier and, and more ambitious to to finally get over the hump and win, which I never did. Uh, and I'm happy the guys finally got to do it last year.
0: Let's kind of touch back on something that you said. The Pittsburgh Penguins, they went on to win the whole thing. And and you wonder oftentimes if you guys would have won that series, you could have gone further. Do you ever think back and look at that series and go, "Ah, you know, I wish I would have done this differently? Is there ever a thought or anything like
1: that? No, I mean... It's it's hard to get into like little detail like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, wish we could have Game Seven back and sure. and we all could to could put on a on a better a better show and, and give a better performance. But it's just one of those things. Like there's no rhyme or reason why. Like we all obviously we're all super excited and and super engaged and and ready to play that game. And it just for some reason just didn't translate onto the ice and. um, I mean, if I had the answer to that, I, I probably would be coaching and, and being a winning coach. But that's that's pretty hard to figure out why why those things happened. But like I said, it's it's one of those things that in the back of your mind you're always thinking, and it's happened to me twice. That you know, if I only had to won that game, and or we if we only had to won that game, then maybe we win the Stanley Cup. And there's so many variables after that that who knows if that would actually happen. But you still think that way because. Uh, you know, you want to believe that you would have done the same thing.
0: As we wrap things up, Matt, please tell everybody what you're up to now. I know you said you're working a little bit with the Washington Capitals.
1: Yeah, know I'm. Uh, I've been scouting for uh, Washington uh, for the last four years, and um, it's it's been a great experience for me. And it was it was really exciting last year to get to, to share a little bit in in the, in the victory and, and get to see the guys. I was at the parade in, in D.C. and awesome. I wasn't I wasn't surprised at uh, how great the, the fan turnout was.
0: I want to thank Matt again for coming on. It was great talking to him. He's still working as a scout for the Washington Capitals, and it's kind of funny. We were originally supposed to do this interview on like a Saturday, and he ended up, he was supposed to be in Ottawa, and he was going to call me on the way home from the game, and we were going to kind of chat. That morning, I shot him a text message just to confirm. I said, Matt, are we still on for today? And he said, hey, man, my schedule got changed. I'm actually in Boston right now. I don't think I'm going to have time to do the interview. Is there any way we can do it tomorrow or the next Monday? And I said, sure, no problem. I turned on to figure out, turned on the TV to figure out why it would be in Boston. I saw the Bruins were playing the LA Kings and it dawned on me, this was just a few days before the trade deadline, that the Kings really weren't performing well and were probably going to be sellers at the deadline. And sure enough, they picked up Nicholas Hagman. So I am bet Matt Bradley was there to check out Hagman. I just thought the timing was kind of cool because I'm a dork like that. And uh, yeah. So, anyways, just a little small story. Uh, it was kind of neat. You know, as soon as the Capitals picked up Hagman, I went, wow, I bet Bradley had something to do with that. Anyways, thanks for tuning in. We've got an awesome episode lined up on Monday. I can't wait. Several people have requested this guest. I can't believe I got him to take some time out of his schedule given how busy he is, but he graciously came on. If you're a Red Wings fan or a Calgary Flames fan, this is one definitely not to miss. So don't forget to tune in on Monday at 8 a.m. when we drop that interview. I once again want to thank all the first timers that tuned in. If you enjoyed what you hear, please subscribe or leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really, really helps with the algorithms and helps us spread the show. And believe it or not, the more listeners we get, the easier it is to get guests I found. So please, please, please tell your friends, spread the word. Follow us on Facebook at Snapshots in Hockey History and on Twitter at Snapshots in. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the hockey. We'll see you Monday.